open up your Bibles to John's Gospel. We've been talking about this, a new way for a new day. And why is this important? Well, one, because God has been dealing with us as a church that a new day is upon us and things are beginning to change. And we'll see the fruit of it and we'll see the change and we'll experience the different things that are happening. Well, that being said, is there any time that something like this happened in the Bible well, absolutely. An interesting time is the set of scriptures we've been looking at, John 13, John 14, John 15, and 16. You know, growing up, and even in Bible school, they taught that the Great Commission and the Great Commandment is, you know, Matthew 28, Mark 16, and Acts 1, you know, those verses. But in all reality, some of the biggest stuff of transition of life that was taught to the disciples is in these chapters. And really what he was doing was setting in order how we were supposed to function, what we were supposed to do. So we've looked. One of the things he said was, I'm leaving. And so he starts washing their feet, the disciples' feet, and he said, you don't know what I'm doing now. And he gave two examples, one about being clean by submitting to him, and then also the way to the top is not by pushing others down and scraping and trying to get into your position, but being a servant, and then there will be exaltation. And it's interesting because he was going to leave, and he had, you know, 12, but 11, then the replacement guy that now the head guy is gone. Everybody knew he was the head guy. But now he's gone and there is a void at the top. And because of this void, you wonder, you know, because of past experience, you know, when there's a void, even in businesses, people want to fill the void, right? Oh, I want that position. And he's got these guys he's been training, and now there's going to be a void there. And they've already been sending mama and family to try to get them in. Hey, you know, in the kingdom, have a, can this one son sit on your right hand and this other one have this high position? Then when the other disciples found out, they were mad. Because they probably were mad that they didn't get a shot to tell Jesus in secret. And Jesus wiped that out because he knew when this void comes, and I'll tell you what, positions are a void, you know, that are not fulfilled, that need filling. And so we want the right people, not just a person, right? And so Jesus said, the way to fill the void at the top is to find the person who serves and I'll promote them. And they want to be a servant, not just want to be served. And so we saw those two areas about being clean. And then we saw he gave a new commandment in his absence that they would love one another. And he said, by this, all people will know you are my disciples. Right? In other words, he didn't say you're going to know how to get saved. Because in the day and age we live, you hear people say this. Well, just love and just serve. And uh, 
if you need to preach. No, Jesus said you have to preach the gospel to get people saved. But it didn't say they'll know how to get saved by you walking in love. They'll just know you're disciplined in your walk toward me. And that you're my personal disciple. And then we read last week where Jesus made one of those statements again. I'm leaving and therefore this is how it needs to be. Because in, they were thinking he's going to set up his kingdom. And he's like, I'm out of here. And then he taught them how to live not troubled. In other words, they didn't have to go, where are you, Jesus? And he told them how to not have a troubled heart in this world and not how to be full of anxiety. And this week, we're going to read through those same verses, but we're going to go further to another thing Jesus said that he was setting in order for a new day. And this one, you know, for some people you go, yeah, and others... It may tweak some thinking. John 14, 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He didn't say apartment complexes. You know, people today are so bothered by where people live in heaven, everybody gets a mansion, whether you want one or not. Whether you believe in prosperity or not. Well, I don't believe in prosperity. You're probably not going to like heaven. Because it's like, they got gold on the streets. You dig down and the foundation of the New Jerusalem is just different precious stones. I mean, there's gates there that are made out of gigantic pearls. And some people are like, I just can't believe they spend that much money. No, all that wacky thinking will be gone. Amen. <laughs> and he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So he's telling us, and he said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come to you again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Where I am, there you may be also. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. Now, we can read this because we may know our Bible and think, come on, Thomas. And it goes on to say, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Here's an interesting thing. He was giving them a profound example and teaching right here of something concerning the new day for them. And this new day is the day we live in. And there were going to need to be some operational changes you know, how they operated, what they did. What, what you don't realize is maybe they were teaching a certain way for three-something years, and Jesus is like, you guys are going to have to do something different, something I've never done before. That goes true with us. 
Jesus has left a responsibility to us to do something he never did when he was on the earth. Right? Somebody's like, I'm not going to answer that just yet. See, what happened was Jesus had never died and never rose again from the dead. Do you agree? Not at this point. So he had not paid for the sins of the world. Not at this point. Not until he died and rose. So nobody had been saved up until now. Nobody. Nobody had received Christ as their Savior and Lord and was made brand new. That was not available up until after he died and rose again. So he had to teach them to be able to do this when he was gone. Because it was going to be a new way of functioning. See, up until now, they had said things like, you know, the kingdom of God is near. It's coming close to you, you know. But the issue was Jesus hadn't died so the kingdom of God could be in them. But they would come around to different cities and preach, including Jesus, and share there's a new thing coming, the Messiah. And they were proclaiming it before it happened. Jesus gave them words to prepare the way. And even when Jesus did come, they could not get the fullness of what he had for them until after. So he was preparing them for this new day, and now they had to execute something that Jesus himself never executed. You with me? Jesus never gave an altar call. Never said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, me as your Lord, you will be saved. Why? Because part of believing with your heart is you must believe that God raised him from the dead. Well, he hadn't even died, let alone rose. So they had to get trained for this new day, so they would function properly in this new day. You with me? When did they get trained? Right here. And the issue is this, Jesus was wise enough. Now, look at the 13th chapter in the very first verse. It says, and then we'll go back over here, now before the feast of the Passover... 13.1, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world. He knew he was departing from the world. How did he know this? He said, nobody can take my life. I have to actually lay it down. And the Lord had spoken, God had spoken to him, told him, the time is now for you to leave the world. 
And this is the beginning, and we see that term again and again. I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And he keeps teaching things to get them ready. Now, if he would not have taught this right here, they would not have been ready for the first day that God moved miraculously in the church world as it came into being. And we'll look at that in a second. So he's preparing them. And so notice they make these statements in verse 4. Or he did. He said, where I go, you know. And the way, you know. That's pretty straightforward, don't you believe? So everybody there, he said, you guys all know where I'm going and you know the way. Didn't he say that? He said, where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Yes, Thomas, I see your hand. Um, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. So Thomas was telling the truth and Jesus was lying. No, maybe they were just kind of messed up a little bit in their thinking. So Jesus said, just get over it, man. You do. No, he made it real clear. Because here's the thing. If you don't know where he's going, and he said, I am going there and preparing a place, and then I'll come back from there, and then I'll bring you there, and you'll be with me. I'll receive you to myself, and I'm preparing something there. And they're like, where is there? See, because they weren't exactly maybe sure where this mansion was. But when you come back and he basically is going to say, I'm going to tell you exactly where this mansion is and where I'm going. Because at one point they even thought, are you going to a foreign land? Are you going somewhere else? And then even the disciples said, well, we'll go anywhere you'll go. And he said, you can't, not now. And they said, yes, we can now. Uh, no, you can't now unless you want to die now. Right? And so he said this, verse 6. Jesus said to him, because he was the one that asked, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Interesting. What did he say? I am first the way. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, I am a way among many ways to get there. And all roads lead to heaven. And I've told people, I remember I went to preach for this one preacher, and I told him we were driving by all these churches, and it was in another state. And I said, yeah, all these churches. I said, well, you know, all roads lead to heaven. Well, I'm about to preach for him. And he looked at me. I said, yeah. And he said, what? I said, yeah, everybody when they die, they go to stand before the Lord. They just don't all get in. I was messing with him. Because there is only one way. You with me? In other words, one day we will all stand before the Lord and, and uh, give an account. But notice this. I am the way, 
I am the truth, the life, those statements right there are answering, he said, I'm the way. We don't know how to get where you're going. We don't know how to get where you're going. I'm the way to get there. If you want to get where I'm going, I'm the way to get there. And then he said, I'm the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. And then he made this statement, I am the life. Zoe is the Greek word there. Well, that's important to know because of the fact of what that meant when he said, I am the life. We know four chapters before he said, the thief does not come to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life. And it's that same word. And it's not just talking about existence. The Greek meaning there literally means this, and I typed it out so I could read it to you. Life in the absolute sense. Notice this, life as God has it. That which the Father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself. So you could say it like this, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and he came that we might have this life. What life is he talking about? The very life that God has in himself. That's why when people talk about getting saved, they're like, I have eternal life. You get his life in you. You pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. Inwardly, you become a child of God when you receive him. But it's interesting. He said, nobody, he said, I'm the way to the Father. These are emphatic terms. I am the way. No one comes to the Father. Except through me. So he just told us the where he's going. And he told them the way to get there. Jesus is the way to get to heaven. To get to God. To live with him for eternity. And there is no other way. Well, why is that so important? And why do we have such a pushback about Jesus in our society? Because the enemy of man's soul does not want to relinquish control over them. So he works through people who are fallen to say, hey, quit talking about Jesus. Quit talking about this. Talk about all this stuff. Talk about all these ways. Why? Because then they'll never make it to the Father. They'll never make it to where he is because he's the only way there. And it's interesting. He said, I'm the truth. In other words, these are factual statements. You never heard a lie from me, ever. Ever. And so he throws that right in the middle of this. Well, what is he saying here? Listen, guys. Um, Nobody's ever led somebody to the Lord and got them saved, made a person change up until this point, and uh, here's the story. You're going to have to do this from now on, people. You're going to have to tell them this is a miracle, and it's a miracle I've never performed. And if you want this miracle, you're going to have to tell people that I died and I rose, and this, I'm the only way. 
So he was setting this teaching in order so that people wouldn't have to be confused. And it's amazing if people would go back and look at the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter of John, much confusion that has been tossed around in the body of Christ would be removed. Because he was setting up this new day. Jesus, like I said, never called the crowds to receive him. Because he hadn't died and risen. But now they're about to. And so Acts 2.21, it's interesting. This is the first time after Jesus died and rose again that there is an opportunity for people to receive him as Savior and Lord. You with me? In other words, sure, his disciples were in the upper room, but reaching out when they came in from the miracle that happened in their lives where the Spirit of God came down upon them and filled them all and they were commissioned and ready to go and share the gospel, people came in the thousands and Peter preaches this message about this is what was written in the Old Testament, how God would do this great thing upon the earth and his spirit would move upon people and all these things would happen. And then at the end, he said this. He said, and it shall come to pass, verse 21, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why did he say this? Because Peter stood there when he was giving this transition message of, hey guys, here's how you're going to do it. And, you know, I know I'm going to talk about this in the future where it says the works that I do, you will do, and greater works. This is one of two greater works that we do that Jesus never did. He said, in greater works than these, you will do. And this was one of them. This is the first time that they reached out or God brought people in. They said, if you will call upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved. And for anybody who participated and called they got saved. They were made new. They passed from spiritual death. They got that Zoe life. And it's interesting that this never happened. And there were, you know, thousands of people who responded that day. I mean, this is all part of that new day. Not just the method but also the madness. You say, what do you mean the madness? All of a sudden, crowds are coming. People are coming in. So it wasn't only a method that was changing. They were reaching masses in this day. And they just said, if you'll call and you do this, you'll be saved. What's interesting is they had to get this settled before Jesus left. Because this was going to be the key to the new creation or a man being made brand new. It was going to be the only way 
And this was huge. So obviously when he said, guys, you got to serve, don't try to be lifted up and be the boss guy. Do it right. We'll promote whoever it's right for. Serve. And then he went through those different things. This was vital to know these truths. And so here we see Peter preaching and saying, you call on his name. Well, he knew there's only one way to get to the Father is through Jesus. And if they want the Jesus life, the life of God in them, they've got to do this. You cannot get there by works. You can't get there by any other religion. No matter what you do and how nice you are, there is no other way. So turn to 1 John 5. Now, this book is written by the same guy that we're reading after in John. 1 John 5. And he, John, was there the day Jesus spoke and said those things and then penned them. You know, wrote them down. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. No other way. And he said right in the middle of the way and the Father being in heaven, he said, I am Zoe. I am Zoe. I have. I am the life. I am the life of God right in front of you. The life that God has in heaven, you're seeing in me. Here's something interesting, 1 John 5, 12. It says this, when I get there, 1 John 5, 12. It says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. He who has the Son has life. But remember, if you have the Son, you have the only way to heaven, the only way to the Father, the only way. But not only do you have the Son, when you get the Son, you get, it's that same word, Zoe, the life and quality and type of life that God possesses in himself that he put in his incarnate son now comes into anybody who will call upon the name of the Lord. So when people think about salvation, they need to think way, way beyond the fact of forgiveness of sins. But in one sense, some people think that's it and that's what they preach. But in all reality, Jesus did forgive sins on the earth when he was here. In the Old Testament, sins were forgiven and covered. But now, they're not just covered, they're completely removed and a new nature comes in. And a person that receives Jesus actually gets a new nature. They pass from being a child of the devil to a child of God.
And how do you become a child of somebody? You get life from them. Meaning, I understand if there are people that are adopted, and we're also called adopted. But there is another side where we all may be adopted, but we're also born of God. When it talks about born, it says we become babes or newborn Christians. Newborn babes in Christ. That means you got life. You came to life. You came into a consciousness of God in a way you never did before by getting his life by receiving Jesus. And so why is this so important? Because Jesus knew a new day was coming and that people may not get this right. And what's interesting to me is now we've read other verses where the disciples were not right even after being taught for three years. And they needed further straightening, if you would, in their understanding because this was going to be crucial. What is Jesus doing in these chapters? He's trying to get them from where they were functioning and the way to be ready to function in a new way. Why? Because we do see in the Bible that some people did not cross over to functioning the new way. Well, then you don't get the same results. You with me? And you can go read Acts 19. When Paul went there and he said, Hey, have you guys received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved? They responded, We didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. So you know what he asked them? You know, Acts 19, 1 through 6. He said, Then what were you baptized into? Well, John's baptism, well, John's baptism, he said, was a baptism of repentance waiting for the coming Savior. Now, if they would have been baptized in the new way Jesus taught, they would have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So then when he said, have you received the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't have said, We never heard of the Holy Spirit. He said, then what were you baptized into? Because unless you went under the water right at Holy Spirit, you should have heard of him. But you can see that's 19 years after they're not functioning correctly or there were certain things missing. And so that being said... Why does God teach us things like this and trying to get stuff over to us now? One, because we live in this day, but also there is a new day happening or coming on this church that will bring about change, and you can't just function the way you used to in the new day and expect it will bring about appropriate results. In other words, they couldn't keep preaching, the kingdom of God is coming, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is near in Acts 3. 
Why? Because salvation was available. And if they kept saying it's coming, no, it was already there. You can call now. But if they had stayed in their old way, then there would have had been missed opportunity after missed opportunity after missed opportunity if they would have just said to those people that day, if Peter hadn't learned this, he would have just said, oh, good, the kingdom of God is coming. No, it's here. Call. And so does God warn us? Does God direct us and go, hey, there will be some future responsibilities in the very near future that you'll have to rise to not only like they did, but for us to be able to function and do as we ought for our new day and for the things he's doing. And so what should we do? We should be prepared. We should know this no matter what happens on the earth until the Lord returns the things we're teaching now in 13, 14, 15, and 16th chapter of John will always be in play. Always be in play. But also, I know this, and I think I've told this story. I went to a restaurant, and the Lord directed me to go there. And I walked into this restaurant, and it was just getting full. It was like a Thursday night. It was an off night. And I had tried to go eat at a couple other restaurants, and I kept knowing don't. I thought, Lord, am I supposed to fast or something? And then he dealt with me, and I just had an inward prompting to go over to this restaurant. And I was like, Lord, I just drove past there. That's way back over by my house. I mean, you, you don't ever talk to the Lord like that. And uh, so I went back. I go in there. I know the owner there. Uh, and they give me a seat, and it's the first seat inside the door. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, it just gets busy. And it starts getting busier. Now, when I was in Bible school, um, I worked at a fine dining restaurant, and so we had to be proficient, and they would teach you. Well, this restaurant never really had just overly big crowds. They'd get full, people would function, and I'd be there, and they'd be full. And you'd hear people complain, they don't do this, and the service is like this. But it was livable. This night, it was supernatural. You know why? For me. Matter of fact, I'll fast forward and then reverse. I talked to the owner later about how busy it was, he said, we have never, ever been that busy before, ever. Well, here I am, you know, there. They've been in business 10 years. I'm there and watching this stuff, and people are, you know, their busboys walk out to go get a water. And would you like another water? Yes. Take that glass back to the back, fill it, go back. And I'm sitting there thinking, somebody's got to straighten these guys out. You want chips and salsa? Now I'm telling you it's Mexican. It's not Chinese. Want chips and salsa? Is this Italian food? No, Mexican food place. So he goes back. One of them goes back and gets a bowl of chips and salsa. And I told the owner, I was like, hey, come here. Those people have been here 15 minutes, nobody. And I'm looking. I'm, my back is to this window, just a foot and a half there. And I'm looking at the whole thing out into the patio area. And I'm like, 
I called him by name. I said, hey, they didn't get anything. Thanks. He said, if you had a dark color shirt, he said, I'd have you serve. I'd have you help me. And I thought, why don't you just do that? I would. And I would, I'd go right in the back and get a tray with a bunch of bowls of chips and a bunch of salsa and walk around to every table that looked low and switch them out. And then I'd go in the back and get pitchers of water and tea and go through and fill them all up. And then I'd go get sodas and pitchers and go fill them all up. But they're taking one or two at a time. And I'm like, there's a lot of motion with no progress and they're functioning wrong for this new way. And on the inside, the Lord spoke and said, this will happen to your church someday. And he said, it will be in such a way, you won't be able to do anything about it. And I said, oh. Oh. But you think about it. A new way for a new day, trying to change people's ideas. And when things start happening, you got to be open to change. You can't be stubborn and say, well, you know, my mom used to do it like this. This is how we've always done it. I can't believe it. And that's what. We, can't, we don't have time to argue with you. Go grab a bowl of chips and get working. Well, that's just not how. Listen. You can go do circles over there, but we got to get somebody else in your place then. And they wouldn't use me because I wasn't wearing a black shirt. But you get what I'm coming from? Sometimes when you get into a situation, things get thrust on you and you have to be taught new. And then you got to be able to do it and willing to do it. Amen?